This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song song podcast. I'm a light man. I take the fall. Don't walk away. Xanadu bonus tracks. This is Xanadu. I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. All right, first up, comments about I'm Alive. Terry Parkin says, Side 2 sounds somewhat like Longwave, LOL. I don't hear it, but okay. And I've never heard Longwave, so I really can't respond to that. Jefflyn did what all rock stars seem to be doing when they get into their 60s or approaching their 70s, where they release an album where they cover the old standards. Unlike Paul or Rod Stewart, Jeff didn't have a big string orchestra while he croons over it. Fortunately, Jeff did his own style on it, which was pretty much Jefflyn rock songs in the style that Jeff has been mining for the last 30 years. I don't remember not liking the album, but um, the only song that has stuck with me is his version of Beyond the Sea. That's the one that always makes it on my iPod. I could see him doing that. It's a really fun swinging version of it. That's the only one I've ever listened to. I haven't really listened to Longwave probably since I got it when it came out. But so far we don't have Jeff Lynne in a metal mood. Uh, you know, I don't really want that. I think if he's going to get metal, keep it in the, the poker, bouncer, those kind of hard rocking songs. I think that's where it suits him. And the ones that I like, because I really don't like heavy metal. I can't really see Jeff screaming like they do in heavy metal. Well, Pat Boone didn't scream either, so just having to listen to Pat Boone made people scream. I... Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Sadlier. I have never understood why Side 1 was ELO in the UK, Europe, and Side 2 in the USA. So assuming that, to me, ELO is Side 1, I have never once listened to the bile on Side 2 since 1980. To me, Xanadu is half an album, and Side 2 is Xanadont. What, it's got the wonderful vocal tones of Olivia Newton-John, who still remains relative to... Oh, I'm good with the Olivia songs, except for one on it. It's got the tubes on it, with Olivia Newton-John. That's a mashup you'll enjoy, since you've never listened to the album, Eric. And you never... Yeah, the tubes were not exactly at the top of their career by the early 80s either anymore. Maybe. They've gone from being this exciting kind That's, of not serious band to she's a beauty. That That is true. They did uh, morph into the, uh, at least for a little bit anyway, top 40 selling kind of pop band. Yes, I know Wild Women of Wongo was on that same album, but that doesn't mean that their career hadn't been taking a nosedive. Yeah, I love that song. It's, it's great. It's ridiculous and it's fun. Yeah. And there was also Let There Be Drums yeah. on that album. Maybe we'll cover this in yeah. our Tubes podcast when we get to it. That's true. Yeah. As for... It has magic on it, which I think is one of the few Olivia Newton-John songs I, I actually can stand. Maybe because some purple-headed chick sang it to me one time. <laughs> but <laughs> That could do it. I hated yeah. Star Trek The Motion Picture until some cute girl said to me, Oh, I really like that movie. And I was like, You know, I like that movie too. Well, we always do stupid things whenever women are around for yeah. some reason. It does have a lot of cool shots of the new Enterprise, and that's my favorite-looking Enterprise, so... 
I guess there's that for Star Trek the motion picture. There's also the fact that you can nap through parts of it and still get the plot. Yep, pretty much, especially if you've already seen the episode in the 60s with the one with Nomad, because it's really the same exact thing. Malik El Arawadi says, Watched on cinema in 1981 three times in one week. And I'm surprised that we didn't hear in the news what you did afterwards. <laughs> I did that too, but... Like I said in my review, I I was hoping it would get better. As this ties in with our next comment. Sue Liner. Absolutely love this film. Watched it the other night after Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm not crazy about Xanadu, but I think it's great that other people are. You enjoy what you enjoy, and that's, that's great. I'm all for that. As long as what you enjoy isn't cutting people up and serving them in stews. The hump has to eat. That's true. Even though if I remember right, Muppet's Christmas Carol is a far superior movie to Xanadu. I have not seen it yet. Nothing against the Muppets or any of that kind of stuff. I guess I got Patrick Stewart's version. I got the Alistair Sim. There's the WKRP version. I'm kind of like, how many more versions of A Christmas Carol do I need to see during Christmas time? Mike Hudson says, there are real strings on the songs on the ELO side of the Xanadu soundtrack. Lewis Clark is even credited on the album Inner Sleeve Liner Notes. That's, that's true. Uh, my mind blanked out when we were discussing I'm Alive for whether they were real strings or synth strings. I was pretty sure they were synth real strings. As for the liner notes on the album, um, it's been boxed up for about five years and I can't really get to my ELO albums. Oh, God, this sucks. We got a whole lot of comments about Drum Dreams. I did not expect this song to bring out this kind of reaction in people. Nicole Davison said... I'm Team ELO Instrumental, for sure. Wish they'd done more. And I agree the song fits the roller skating scene. You can't deny the energy, and that's something they had in common with disco. Which is why they could combine that genre so well with their sound. And Mark Jella says, Got mixed feelings about this one. I found Bev's drumming a bit obvious in the rhythm patterns. The Xanadu chanting was cheesy, though I agree with Troy that it fits the film. Richard's synth work, though, is great, as are the string and choir parts. I think a B-side was the right place for it at the time, but it would be nice to have it on other forms now. Mike Hudson, I can live with the Xanadu chants, but the pew-pews get on my nerves. Otherwise, I like it. MJ Folds says, isn't this the first B-side that wasn't an already released album track? In a way. I think it was. Well, see, that's it. That's why I say in a way. Except for, well... This wasn't on an album, no, so yes. But there was an instrumental version of In Old England Town that was cut in half. Jeff's vocals were replaced with Richard Tandy on a synthesizer. So while In Old England Town was on ELO 2... The version of In Old England Town that was the B-side of a single wasn't on any album, although it was an instrumental version of a song that was on an album. So that's why I'm kind of like, I, yeah, sort of, mostly. First original song. Yes, completely original, yes. Drums Dreams is their first non-album B-side, and there are more to come in the 80s. Kevin Ramquist. I sure wish Jeff would have released this on the Xanadu soundtrack. I do too, but I... Pretty sure Jeff had no say of what went on that album. No final say, anyway. Steve Wiskowski says, Was Jeff ever asked if he plans to ever release a remastered deluxe Songs of Xanadu CD? I understand there are copyrights to the movie and all parties involved, 
but I would be okay if the CD only contained just the ELO songs. Extras would obviously include Drum Dreams, but also any existing demo versions of all the ELO tracks from the movie. Was there ever any unreleased extended club mixes of any of these songs? I and a whole mess of people would be really grateful if there was a complete Xanadu, at least ELO side soundtrack, or even just a complete Xanadu soundtrack. It's the future. I'm sure CDs have their limits, but Downloading doesn't. You really could have an album of a hundred songs and all you gotta do is just download. Um, in America, anyway, the Xanadu stuff was on MCA, which was not the least bit owned by Jet or CBS Records, which is what ELO was with in America in 1980. So I'm guessing that's been a lot of the problem with getting Xanadu stuff on box sets or compilations, uh, at least here in America. I know there are some British ones that had some stuff from Xanadu on it. Uh, there's one, I can't think of the name, but I know the label was Telstar. And it was like back in 89, I think. And it had all of the singles that ELO had released in chronological order. And there was some Xanadu on there. The album wasn't released in America. I'm sure Jeff has been asked a ton of times, but yeah. I'm sure there's all sorts of legal mumbo jet that I know nothing about. Because I'm just guessing that because it was MCA and not Jet, that could be the holdup, as far as I know. I'm pretty sure it was MCA because I think that was Livy Newton-John's label at the time. Yes. Yes, it was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't have a lot of our Olivia Newton-John, so that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, it was, wasn't it? They probably didn't have, I don't know. Well, she was still really a big star at the time, so probably it was a lot easier to just pay for ELO to do a couple things on there than it was to try and get another label with Livia Newton-John, or as well as all in Olivia Newton-John project anyways, so. Yeah, well, ELO was really big at this time, but Olivia was even bigger. It helped, True. It helped that Olivia was, yeah, she was cutie. Not saying Jeff's an ugly person, but, you know, Olivia really ha is uh, some nice eye candy for men, too. And I think maybe men might be easier to just throw out the money for buying records, if just for the album cover. Hey, hey. Any unreleased extended club mixes? Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of them that people have made through the years. Um, and they're probably on YouTube. So go have a search. Go have a look. I know there was, I think, a Drum Dreams Last Train to London mix that was made back when that song came out by the record company. I think it's a 12-inch thing that you could only get in England. Mary Van Heeswijk. Well, English, you speak. I think it's Heeswijk. Okay. Why wasn't this a bonus track on the Xanadu album? It can be heard in the movie. It's a good question. That is a good question. I think it was probably space on the album to begin yeah. with. They wanted more uh, Olivia Newton-John and less Bev Bevan. I like both of them. Francisco Benitez. Can't believe this hasn't been released on CD. Well, yeah, I'm surprised because everything gets re-released on CD whenever they do the remastering and remixes. In fact, there's usually so much stuff on the CD that from that that it's more stuff than what's on the actual album. Yeah, and Kevin Ramchrist said, agreed. You're a genius. I also agree. Why hasn't this been a, a bonus track? This is ridiculous. Sweet mother of God, what is the holdup? Don Field says, this is probably the loudest rock instrumental since, well, if Pink Floyd ever recorded an instrumental on a rare Happy Pep Day with no guitars and too many of these Moog Ties files. This was the 
perfect B-side to I'm Alive. After knocking your eardrums out with pixie dust days and you needed a break from the sugar rush, you flip this over for relief and then you are bombarded with rhythmic drum frenzy that is strangely danceable if your health insurance can cover it. This was a surviving piece of Jeff's rejected movie score, yet they didn't take this one out. This track makes me deadly curious what the entire score sounded like. Too much? Overbearing on the movie that was trying so desperately to catch up? Did they feel intimidated by Jeff's ambitions? I can't wait for the official digital remastered version to crop up. P.S. I wonder if anybody did a MIDI file version of this. It must have burned a few circuits. This is me nodding blankly because I don't understand how computers work. Okay. That would have been hooked up to a keyboard and everything and it would have been 90s yeah. computer technology and everything, so yeah. yeah. Pink Floyd did do stuff that was almost kind of like this noisy stuff. One of those sides on Amagama kind of gets into this territory. Michael Williams. This was my introduction to ELO. My cousin loved drums and brought this 45 for me to hear drum dreams. I thought, yeah, this is very cool. And then I listened to side A. I'm alive. And my musical world was forever changed at that moment. That 45 never left my house. I paid my cousin double what he gave for it and over the next few years, bought every ELO recording I could find. It's kind of interesting that Drum Dreams served as a way into ELO for somebody. Usually it's one of the big hits that, oh, telephone line, turn to stone, that's great. What else do they got? I never really expected Drum Dreams to be the gateway drug for ELO. Everybody says, no, not me. I'll never get hooked. They say it right up to the day they start climbing the walls, and they began saying just what you are now. Stephen St. John says, thank you for explaining why I don't have a copy of this. It was always my thought, why buy the single when you already have or are going to get it on the album? So I never bothered purchasing their singles. I guess I'm also to blame for ELO singles not making it to number one. I only bought singles when I liked the hit but didn't know the band, or, as in the case of Pop Music by M, couldn't find the album. Eventually I learned, but not until it was too late to find this gem. And now... Yeah, that was something my parents always did to me, is, why do you need that? You've already got the album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At one point my parents told me, don't you have enough records? And in my head I'm thinking... Am I supposed to be listening to the same albums and same records for the next 60, 70, 80 years? Because I was like 19 when they said that to me. Um, I never ever saw coming this much reaction to Drum Dreams. There are a lot of people <laughs> who are upset that Drum Dreams is... You can only find it on the B-sides of 40... Oh my god. 40-year-old singles or on YouTube where it's taken from the 40-year-old single. That it's not on a CD or digital download. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if we could harness this response, start a campaign to get the people who are in charge of this kind of stuff to put Drum Dreams out on something other than those B-sides, CD, digital download, a nice, clean, remastered copy. And then I'm also thinking to myself, um, for a podcast that's trying to stay under the radar of the copyright police, do we want to attract that kind of attention to our show from the people who can easily shut it down? So, I don't know. But if they are listening, come on! Everybody wants to hear drum dreams. They love drum dreams. Why are you hiding it? Put it out there. 
Well, I think one way we could do it under the radar is, you said it yourself, we can put up an ad that says, interested in 40-year-old singles? I, uh, sure, why not? Contact Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think we've got the tagline to get the people's attention to go over to there, and they find out it's about the song, and... Oh, it's a song. And we have it playing involuntarily. Drum Dreams will play, and they're like, oh, yeah, I like that. They'll sign our little petition, and then, yeah, there you go. Drum Dreams, now available on iTunes and Amazon and wherever you get your digital downloads. And I think they're going to be a lot happier hearing Drum Dreams than they are going to be getting another computer virus. Yes, yes, and they'll probably be happier with Drum Dreams than meeting other 40-year-old singles. How about coming up to my place for a spot of heavy breathing? Do you love Xanadu without fear of being shunned by humanity? We're here! We We like Xanadu! Then roller skate to the Xanadu Preservation Society site at oddlystupid.wixsite.com slash Xanadu. It's an online warehouse of pictures, audio interviews, short essays, remixes, and a crate load of extras about one of the most maligned, yet somewhat enjoyable movies of the 80s. Make your Xanadu dreams come true at oddlystupid.wixsite.com slash Xanadu. Xanadu, Xanadu, Xanadu. Comments about the fall. Don Fields, without a doubt, this is the most dramatic ELO song ever. And that single bass note certainly is the cause of it. Everything hanged on that lone, minimalist note, and it works perfectly. Then there's the stereo echo effect from Bev's drum fills, Jeff's filtered vocals during the verses, and Richard's pixie moog stylings. I suspect these little details are the first things you'll hear after you smash face first into a brick wall, almost. Like Sonny, if he wasn't so fictional. Well, that or the laughter the bums make when they pick your pockets and pieces of your face off the ground when you're passed out from the impact. I hope Jeff didn't do research behind this. Well, saying that he was able to get some more albums out, I very much doubt he decided to run face first into a wall. There is some possibility that that could be a review of Balance of Power, but... (sighs) Yeah, when we get there. Mike Hudson. To me, The Fall is the best of the ELO songs on Xanadu. Nicole. Should have been a huge hit. It's just dreamy. It's actually one of my faves. So underrated musically. But I really wanted to say at the end of the Boom Cat video for What You Do To Me is an homage to that scene. And re-watching Xanadu at the end, I realized Madonna was paying homage to Xanadu in her music video when she's dressed as a cowgirl. Nonsense feedback, but I wanted to share with the other ELO freaks. Um, I got as far as underrated musically, and then I didn't know what you were talking about after that. Boom Cat. I think I have a vague idea of the Madonna thing you're talking about. Now you can tell right there, friends, that he don't know nothing. And for Don't Walk Away, Don Field says this is the best ELO ballad since Telephone Line. Just the right amount of tension and release, and the string arrangement flows in and out perfectly. Plus, Jeff's performance is just right. This critique will sound kind of odd so soon after Discovery and its two ballads, which were, in my honest opinion, clunkers out of that batch, but the love-acquired sappiness was replaced here with breakup drama and nothing smells artistic acceptance that and pain from breakups. The only real grievance here, as well as the rest of the Yellow songs, is the recordings don't really have that depth and sheen from Discovery. 
For these tracks, I get the sense that the strings were mixed further back from the listener compared to that of the last album, and the drums didn't have that cushy thump. It's splats, which sadly are signs of the future to come. You could get lost within the sound layers with Discovery, especially with headphones on, but here, not so much, especially this close to Olivia's lush sounding tracks on the other side. Still, you go with what you got. Doug Payton, totally agree with wishing to have heard more of the guitar solo during the fade. Such a missed opportunity. Pam Van Allen, I also turn into a puddle of goo when I hear this song. Stacy Reed, one of my favorite vocals that he does. Yeah, it is oh, so fantastic. Eric, uh, this would be me, Eric. I listened to this podcast yesterday while traveling. You were extra mushy on this one, but rightly so. Well, yes, it is a very dreamy song. And William Osborne says, an absolutely wonderful ballad. One of those ELO songs I fell in love with instantly. As with the rest of the ELO songs on the Xanadu soundtrack, I feel like it serves as somewhat of a continuation of their late 70s, early 80s sound. Sort of like a Discovery Part 2. But I mean that in the best way. Despite the number of love ballads on Discovery, it still feels genuine and fresh. And quite honestly, this is very easily in my top five favorite ELO songs. Your song touched me in a way I've never felt before. And which way did it can? Comments from all over the world. Mark Jealous, I've played some ELO to some of my younger friends. Of all the tracks they liked, a lot of them, this was their favorite. Something so upbeat, so positive, and so inclusive. Not surprising, really. Angel Angel Benevent says, I'm an ELO great fan since 1974, and of course, I listen to this podcast every week. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. And if you have any other friends with the same name, and if you ever danced on a pen, let me know how many. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, keep listening, and we'll keep up the good work as best as we can. Don Fields. One of the many highlights from attending the 20-05 unofficial Xanadu anniversary screening in Burbank, California, happened while the entire audience was singing along with all the songs. They got so caught up with the song's celebration that they even sang the vocoder break out loud. This small, quick detail sums up that giddiness fans felt when they discovered this land of Xanadu. This was a pop dance record very much of the late 60s, early 70s era that added to the level of joy this expressed with none of the genre cliches then current dance disco hits Oh The Day. You can dance to this old-fashioned beat without the guilt. I'm very sure that many critics, naysayers, and cultural gatekeepers were hoping that this, well, as the rest of this album, would turn out to be disco for the sake of bad reviews. But when they didn't get what their ego wanted, they just threw darts anyway. Ain't spite fun? Out of all the top 40 songs that came out of this era, this was the one I drove my family and everyone around me up the wall with many repeated plays. Thanks God for all of them that I didn't have a working boombox at the time. However, when you got this giddiness rush on your side, eardrums be damned. Thank you, Mr. Vocoder. You're welcome! And, well, one piece of advice never gets Anadu Knight confused with Rocky Horror Picture Night. <laughs> no, no, he, he, he just... It's... I, I'm, just, I'm just picturing the mix of audiences, and that would be quite a scene. <laughs> yep, with Bollywood Night happening at the same time. Wow, what a movie audience mashup that would be. Yep, I've actually experienced that where they have cult cinema night on the same night as Bollywood night and it kind of gets kind of um, 
weird who's going where. <laughs> yeah, the crowds outside the theater, it, it would have to be something to see. There's something to be said for a deviant lifestyle. And then Nicole Davison says, the quote about John Lennon enjoying all that was Xanadu has stayed with me. The idea one of the last things he enjoyed before dying that December was Xanadu. Now I don't feel guilty about liking it. And comments about Xanadu, the song, not the full album, yet. Don Fields wrote, What can top the lush giddiness of all over the world for a closure? There can only be one. While all over the world was a song of celebration, Xanadu is a definitive statement, one of finding your place of happiness. Even though I am partial with all over the world, Xanadu was the top of the heap in terms of musical happiness and utopia I experienced during this time. Unlimited joy and indulgence. All the tracks I described thus far in this set leads up to this, and there is nothing technical to add, other than Richard Tandy working overtime on the intro and outro. Mr. Magic fingers indeed. Emotionally, what I will say is that this song capsulizes all that I had been looking for thus far in life. Joy, wonder, and panoramic elaborance of life. Since then, I was fortunate to understand and discovered pockets of Xanadu, large and small, throughout my life. The most obvious and the biggest example of this was my trips to see and partake in Mardi Gras, the final weekend of carnival season in New Orleans. I really don't have to go into this insane celebration in detail here, but needless to say, I do hear Xanadu played once a day during the festival. I have yet to hear someone attempt a street brass band arrangement of this song. The Mardi Gras is an intense party experience that can get rough at times, and it certainly is not for everyone, and neither is Xanadu. Hey, nobody said that this level of joy and happiness was easy to digest. Just ask the movie critics who were forced to see this film in the first place. John Kilgallen says, got that single and the same cover. It was the pink picture sleeve that I used for the episode art. John is a lucky bastard. I am not. I bought the single new, and I did not get a picture sleeve. There weren't any picture sleeves there. Mine came in the just standard issue, white paper sleeve with the big hole in the middle and MCA stamped across it a whole bunch of times. So, John's lucky. I am not. I, I'm the most unluckiest person in the world. He's such a pathetic, sad little freak. He's a gibbering mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Sadlier. Every time I think of the Xanadu album, I think of the full ELO album that could have been done. Um, I don't, well, you kind of have to think about that. I don't think Xanadu would have happened if they jumped from Discovery to Time. Because Time is a whole separate, different direction. And on an interview disc for Discovery, Jeff said, now that he's not touring, it gives him time to do things that he's wanted to do, but just didn't have the time or didn't get the chance to do. And he wants to go off and do new things, which would be time. So I don't think there would have been a full Xanadu, air quotes, album of ELO, because none of these songs have to do with time travel, and none of it sounds like it would have been on time, which is clearly where Jeff was going. Yeah, I don't think that... uh, I think that the reason these exist is just simply because of the movie, largely. And yeah, they had him do the entire movie soundtrack instead of throwing in Olivia Newton-John then maybe a full album but I really think that he would have gone on to start working on time and either we would have had that in 80 or still might have been into 81 before that popped out yeah I think it would have been 81 because they started doing albums every two years 
Out of the Blue was 77, Discovery 79. And yeah, you wouldn't have gotten these Xanazu songs out of Jeff because obviously the people who hired ELO to do Xanadu, they wanted the ELO sound. So that's why we have these songs that sound like they could have been from Discovery or Out of the Blue or the established ELO sound for the previous five years. If Jeff submitted this futuristic sci-fi synth-heavy kind of stuff for a light movie about roller skating and making dreams happen, the producers would have said, what the heck? No, 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 no. Go back give us what we want. We want the ELO sound, not this crazy new wave kind of stuff. So, yeah. Without Xanadu, you would not have All Over the World or Don't Walk Away, I'm Alive, or even Drum Dreams. Yeah, this is all because of the movie. and It doesn't strike me as any type of project that he was trying to do at the time. No, I don't think his heart would have been into it if it was just, well, here's the next ELO album. Let's do what we've done before. Yeah. Ed Coleridge says, Now we are here. I've been waiting for this one. I actually like both the original and Jeff's remake equally. Always makes me smile when I hear it. The song also means a lot to me personally. I'm a fifth great-grandchild of a famous poet called Samuel Taylor Coleridge. The song also means a lot to me personally because I'm a fifth great-grandchild of a famous poet called Samuel Taylor Coleridge. He was a pretty important poet and philosopher in the English language, and he popularized the term Xanadu in a poem called Kubla Khan. And I remember that. I used to watch that a lot when I was a kid. I really like the, the Kubla Puppet and Kubla Fran and Ollie. That's pretty cool that we have a child of a celebrity here. Um, well, Kubla Khan was a poem written quite before that. <laughs> yeah, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, just one of the most important poems in English literature. But <laughs> that and Kubla Khan are both two of the cornerstones of the Romantic era of literature, so. Oh, so it wasn't a puppet on a kiddie show on Saturday mornings. Not Kubla, Fran, and Ollie. Eric, let me speak a bit more slowly so you understand this. Richard Wisniewski. Hi, Eric's. Listening to the ELO track of Xanadu, it's certainly not my favorite ELO tune. Troy's spoof on the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups advertisement was great and only used up 30 seconds of the show. Thanks for what you do. I look forward to it every Saturday. Well, thank you for listening. I also like that Troy's bit was only 30 seconds. I mean, I don't have a problem that he goes on for three minutes, but my original goal was to keep these things under 15 minutes, and with all the extra stuff that's being added, that, that 15 minute line is often being shattered. It went on bloody year after bloody year. And now comments about Xanadu Overture. MJ Folds, never heard of this version before, but then I have never felt the urge to watch the film. Be nice to hear a fuller piece as it sounds promising. Well, in about 20 years you will hear a fuller version, and I'm glad that we enlightened you to ELO that you'd never heard of, because you've been a long-time commenter on the show, so I'm thinking you've heard a lot of ELO in your life. And Mark Herring says, did I miss it in the episode? How was Xanadu the end of an era for ELO? In the tease, when I Facebook publicized this episode everywhere, the tagline was, uh, we reached the end of Xanadu and the end of an era for ELO. And after this, we go into time. So this ELO formula that served them well for five years goes away. And we get into the more, much more heavily synthesized kind of stuff. So I think Xanadu is the end of this, and time starts a whole new sound era for ELO. Tracer Anthony, end of an era for ELO. Very, very true. 
From this point forward, the worldwide momentum of Jeff's and Roy's grand experiment would begin to slow and ebb. A world-class musical group that found so much fame and success in the 70s would pretty much find themselves on the outside looking in by the time 1983's Secret Messages was released. According to various websites, 1981's time marked the first of the final three studio albums that Jeff was contractually obligated to produce. Rumor has it that Jeff was so keen to step away from the ELO machine that Secret Messages was originally conceived as a double album, and the hope that that would fulfill the final two-album obligation with the studio allowing Jeff an early exit. No such luck. The studio wanted three full and separate albums from Jeff, which eventually would lead to the enjoyable, but ultimately gas tank on empty, balance of power in 1986. Classic ELO as the world knew it, then went dark. Colin McClellan says, Also, the overture is at the beginning in the movie. Olivia Newton-John sings Xanadu, and there is a short bit of magic as backing music to Olivia Newton-John and Michael Beck getting back together. Then the overture, which leads unto Xanadu playing over the titles. I had never thought of that like that. Just in my head, I think overture, okay, beginning. I was thinking Xanadu overture, okay, Xanadu the movie. I was not even thinking Xanadu the song, which plays over the full end credits, so. Column has uh, expanded my world. Like, well, man, can you relate? Alan Walker, good episode. Funny and surprisingly informative, considering it's a song about nothing, LOL. <laughs> Thank you, I was kind of surprised we were able to pull 10 minutes out of a 40 second song too, so, there you go. Xanadu. Traveling through time, she's a shooting star, a dazzling dream brought to life. Xanadu, a mystical, magical moment where music and love come alive. Xanadu, starring Olivia Newton-John, Gene Kelly, and the music of the ELO. Original soundtrack on MCA records and tapes. Xanadu, a musical fantasy from Universal Pictures. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. We've finished Xanadu. The ELO side anyway. There's no reason to go into the other side because it doesn't relate to this podcast. Eric, do you despise the album? Or at least the ELO side, anyway? Not whatsoever at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's a good collection of ELO songs. Next time it comes across, I probably will keep the copy mm-hmm. if I get it in another collection rather than selling it. Because the only reason I ever kicked it off was because I was thinking, ooh, Xanadu. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking that maybe the Electric Light Orchestra stuff was going to be someplace else on a compilation or something. Mm-hmm. But since not, yeah, I'm going to have to keep a copy of it. Yeah, not in America. In fact, well, Magic isn't that bad of a song, so. No, it's not. I really dig Magic. As I said, I dig most of the Olivia stuff on the Olivia side, but this is an ELO podcast, and there is not a song on here that's bad. There are songs that I listen to way too much that when they come up, it's like, uh, this one again. But then it hits, and I love it. It's a great friggin' ELO side, and also, God, the dreamy Don't Walk Away. 
That's, oh my God. So zero complaints about the ELO side of Xanadu. It's fantastic. Big bucks. Come to Xanadu. Xanadu, a place where dreams come true. Xanadu, a dazzling musical fantasy brought to life by ELO. Soundtrack on MCA Records and Tapes. Xanadu, starring Olivia Newton-John and Gene Kelly, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Back to ELO. Xanadu was released on June 27, 1980. The album, not the movie. The movie was released on August 8, 1980. In America and Canada, the album was released on Olivia's label, MCA Records. In the rest of the world, it was on ELO's label, Jet. It peaked at number 10 in Italy, number 8 in New Zealand, it got to number 4 in Canada and on the United States Billboard album chart, reached number 2 in the UK, in Australia, Austria, the Netherlands, Germany, Norway and Sweden, it got to number one. And it was number one in America on the Cashbox and Record World charts. For the 1980 year in charts, it ranked at number 29 in Italy, 23 in the Netherlands, and number six in Austria. The album went gold in Germany and the United Kingdom, platinum in Hong Kong and New Zealand, and double platinum in the United States and Canada. Hey, this is Troy with my final thoughts on Xanadu. Well, I recently had a chance to see the movie again. I hadn't seen it since I first saw it back in 1980 when I was 15. But a few years back, I happened to order a special edition of the DVD that did include a bonus CD of the Xanadu soundtrack, which I wanted. And after having that for a couple of years, I decided to watch the movie again. And it's not as bad as you've heard. I mean, sure, it's no masterpiece, but at least it doesn't pretend to be something it's not. Like, say, another movie that came out in the summer of 1980. Hello, anybody remember Urban Cowboy? Or how about that infernal movie starring the village people? I won't even name the title. And if you just accept it for what it is, it's a nice, cute movie musical. I mean, Gene Kelly's in it, and that guy's a treasure. And you've got some great music by Olivia Newton-John, and especially ELO, who recorded four of the best songs they've ever done for the soundtrack. And I would have loved to have seen an ELO cameo. At the very least, I wish they would have made a cameo as the band backing up Olivia Newton-John when she sang Xanadu, but they probably couldn't have afforded that, and maybe Jeff just doesn't want to be a movie star. But as I said, if you accept it for what it is, it's a nice, sweet film. And I will say this much. It's a hell of a lot better than Saturday Night Fever. I mean, hello, have you actually seen that movie? It's depressing. I mean, I want to kill myself after watching Saturday Night Fever. At least Xanadu makes you happy, somewhat at least. And it, you get to look at Olivia Newton-John for 90 minutes. So I'm going to say I don't love Xanadu, but I like it. This has been a thought from Troy. This is Xanadu. Dream, 
Traveling through time, a dazzling dream comes alive. Xanadu, starring Olivia Newton-John and Gene Kelly. Original soundtrack on MCA records and tapes. Xanadu from Universal Pictures. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Darren Windsor wrote, The movie was a place where nobody wanted to go. Well, I've seen it quite a few times in my life, but Eric has avoided it his entire life, and he's been alive the whole time that Xanadu has existed. Jeff Lynn never saw it. The most recent comment I saw him say anything about it, that was a couple years ago, was like, he's afraid to watch it because he's heard so much bad things about the movie that he's afraid to see what his songs have been attached to, even though he loves the songs. So now that you've seen it for the first time in your 40s, what did you think of Xanadu? the movie i'm glad i avoided it all these years (laughs) yeah i honestly never would have voluntarily watched it except for the fact that we're doing this podcast Mm -hmm. and even if i even liking the music from it i would not have ever even crossed my mind to watch it because it's a musical and i typically don't watch musicals and Jeff Lynn has a right to be a little bit scared <laughs> about how his music is used in it uh-huh. because his music is largely wasted in it. Mm. Don't Walk Away, though. Don't Walk Away is with an animated sequence, which is one of the two good parts out of the movie. And with Don Blue's animation and everything, the song works well with it. And I guess that just kind of, they threw that in at the last minute because they wanted to have something to do with the song. And it feels... Hey, that works with that song. But with the, what the, he's all over the world for, <sighs> that whole shopping sequence. Yeah, that the whole thing makes me uh, cringe when I see it. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, I, they take a good song like that. I mean, that could have been the enti- an entire production right before they went into the title song. Yeah. While they're opening the uh, club up and everything. That could have been it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just waste it. I'm Alive, when the muses are all coming to life in the mural. I know that's memorable. Mm-hmm. But, <sighs> yeah, I, it's some of the worst choreography I've seen in a <laughs> musical, to tell you the truth. That part, especially when you get to Gene Kelly's part later on, where him and Livy Newton-John are doing the dance, and you see how somebody who knows how to do choreography <laughs> can do choreography. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It was a showcase for Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, Um, pretty much. She was super incredibly hot. And I'm not talking look-wise. Grease, and she was having songs that were just killing it on the top 40. Late 70s, early 80s, that was when Olivia was pretty much the queen of the universe. I wouldn't even say the title track's wasted. She comes out, she does the whole singing and the club and everything, but then they interrupt it with all the... (laughs) other garbage yeah that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever i think they were trying to do something like an old 1930s or 40s mm-hmm. you get the big huge dance production at the end of the musical <sighs> but those made sense a lot of times <laughs> you, you watch something like singing in the rain and that whole ending dance part makes sense with the rest of the movie it, this does not whatsoever <laughs> it's just okay let's try cowboy outfits now <laughs> 
And this movie is so boring. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that, is, that is really a sin. If you're going to make a movie like this, you got to at some point go, you know what? We're just going to make it as ridiculous as possible and just camp it up. And uh, <laughs> at least maybe somebody will come at midnight to see it. No, nobody's going to come see this at midnight because they're going to fall asleep. <laughs> There's a reason Rocky Horror Picture, which is a much better movie, even though it's not perfect. I mean, its ending gets really kind of drawn out, too. Yeah, it does. But it's watchable whether or not you're watching at home or whether or not you're watching it in a theater with a bunch of people throwing stuff. <laughs> it's entertaining. Mm -hmm. This is not in the least bit entertaining. If you really want to see the good parts, I'm sure you can probably go to YouTube, see the animated sequence, and see Olivia and Gene Kelly do their dance routine, which I was going, why can't the entire movie be this? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be 40s music, but but this is good. <laughs> this, <laughs> this part's good. And Gene Kelly could still move at 68, and he was such a better actor than anybody else on the screen there. I don't even know if Michael Beck even woke up for the movie. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I, I really don't know if anybody could have saved that character. I mean, the Michael Beck character, I don't know if it's on him or just the way the character was. But you could have put anybody in that role and it still would have been, all right, there's the young guy. And he has a dream and he's frustrated. And there you go. There, There's your motivation. What I understand... John Travolta had been asked to be in this, mm -hmm. so I wasn't too far off yeah. when thinking about John Travolta being in it. But I guess, but since he was working on Urban Cowboy at the time, he couldn't be in it. Yeah. They also tried to get David Naughton. Oh, uh, now you just made the movie worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least David Naughton can sing and dance. He can. Yeah. And they don't even try to make Michael Beck sing and dance. So. <laughs> no, it's probably for the best that he didn't sing. I don't know. I'm surprised he doesn't fall on his butt on the roller skates. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, I tried roller skating backwards once and it did not go well. Yeah, uh, this, I think, a 1930s, 40s musical, and they tried to make it 1980s, and it just kind of, mm, not, didn't quite get there, no. Yeah. Um, Olivia is kind of just a one-note, perky, cute muse. So a couple of minutes where she's bummed out, and that's where her acting diverges into another place for a couple minutes, and then it's back to the perky cutie yeah manic pixie dream girl that's the epitome of a manic pixie dream girl with her <laughs> yeah. character it's not an awful movie i've seen much worse movies than xanadu true the matrix the phantom menace star trek 5 star trek generations the 1973 version of miracle on 34th street um, oh now we're getting it <laughs> <laughs> the monster club Magic Christmas Tree, The Astro oh Zombies, Stay Away Joe, Trilogy of Terror, Blubberella, The Last Jedi. Excuse uh, me. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That oh, now we're was a worse movie than, than Xanadu. The Goonies. So I've seen much worse movies. The 13th Warrior. There's another really bad movie I've seen. Xanadu to me is better than those movies, but it's not really a great movie. Uh, what finally turned me around is when I watched it a few years ago. And it's just so early 80s cheese that it sends my mind into such an early 80s flashback that I'm like, I kind of like seeing that. Those video effects are laughably 1980s Atari. I'm enjoying that. <laughs> but um, I do kind of like the definitely very Hollywood message. Dreams, don't give up. Chase them. They'll come true. I certainly hope that's true because I'm still waiting for that international syndication or radio fame that still has not hit. And I'm 50. Maybe I'm a late blossomer into the uh, 
world of fame and fortune. So, so yeah, for me, uh, it's okay. If I'm forced to watch it, I won't feel too forced to watch it. But it's not going to be the slog that the first Lord of the Rings movie was. Not a great movie, but amusing and kind of entertaining in 80s cheese kind of way. So, uh, But other than that, I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it. Yeah, and the only thing I could think of the entire time watching it is this had to have been dated when it came out. Uh, <laughs> the, ro- the roller disco thing at our had come and gone probably about a year or two before then. It was barely... The movie I was trying to remember with Linda Blair's Roller Boogie. By the time Xanadu came out, nobody wanted disco, period. No, nobody wanted disco. Roller discoing was uh, just wheezing its last. It was barely hanging on as a thing. Summer 1980. But yeah, it, it wasn't going to hang around much too longer. That's why after this, Olivia Newton-John got physical. Yes. Completely different sound. <laughs> yes, and again, super freaking huge hit for her. I think it was probably the number one song in the 1980s. Well, it's a fun fact to look up for somebody else, but not us. Maybe the people who do the Olivia Newton-John podcast. There's got to be somebody out there doing one. Yeah, Olivia's got to have something to do right now, and she's probably doing this. <laughs> Could be, other than fighting breast cancer. Ooh, now you just... Yeah, you. I think we brought this yeah. segment down to a yeah, really... Yeah, no. Crashed, <laughs> crashed into a hardcore downer. Yeah. Just another example of knowing what to say and when to say it. This hit song, written by John Ferrer and performed by Olivia Newton-John and Cliff Richard. And this, the music of the Electric Light Orchestra, now come together in a dazzling new musical called Xanadu. Xanadu, original soundtrack on MCA Records and Tapes. Xanadu, from Universal Pictures, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Good hello, my name is Don Fields, and I'm one of the very few people who have been reviewing each and every one of the Discovery and Xanadu tracks that is not named Troy. And I'm also the smartass behind the website Xanadu Preservation Society, which you can now find on donosdump.org. And I've been asked by the good folks behind this here uh, music blog to write and read my review of the movie Xanadu. Here it is, and good luck to all. Let's get it on! In the early 2000s, I went to 1989 at the legendary movie theater... New Beverly Cinema, near West Hollywood. The double bill on that particular night was Xanadu and the Apple. Quite the night of bipolar, full-frontal cinema disco entertainment. The place was packed and the audience was ready for whatever came their way. Be it a Mystery Science Theater 3000 audition or actual cinema hell at any given moment. Looking back, Xanadu turned out to be the warm-up act for this ruckus night. Sure, there were a couple of guffaws, snickers, and a loud line or two aimed at this movie, but 
The audience was largely quite attentive and enjoying the movie, largely on its own terms. And that's how Xanadu lands in the middle of all of this. Disco film, bad musical, late 70s bloated indulgence, 80s cheese, art deco genre. The slapdash, unfocused way this movie was made sure as hell confused and baffled critics and viewers alike. But darn it, it has an earnest way of entertaining you whether you liked it or not. It's one of the few traits that added to the legacy and longevity of Xanadu. Its heart is square-footed into its sleeve, and there's no amount of bad reviews and decades of mockery that could throw it off. I suspect this unruly mix of sincerity and the reckless levels of quality was the one-two punch that drove the audience to this day nuts. Well, the technical potholes throughout didn't help the film much. The endlessly reworked, unorganized script is weak that occasionally leaks of bad dialogue. Scenes that make zero sense, like the popcorn lady selling Sonny McGuire some popcorn. I guess they had to film some sort of bridge between shots due to cartoony errors. And there's a few of them. There's not much going on during the numbers suddenly. It just sits there while the cast gracefully tries not to fall off the skates. The camera crew can be seen for a few seconds during the whenever you're away from me number. Then there's the full view of the crew during the rock number of finale. But twice. It's a quick peek, but it still hurts. And so on. On the other side, there are numbers and many moments that break through the muck, like the wonderfully cacophonous all over the world. The inventive dancing that represents the movie's ambition to combine both 40s and 80s music and culture. The final number is all over the damn place, as a good party should. As far as the cast is concerned, the Danny McGuire character sadly doesn't do much, but Gene Kelly is an old pro and his charisma and feet glides through regardless. Olivia fits the role of goddess very well and Michael Beck? Well, let's move on. The benefit of the film's unfocused aim was the much wider cultural reach that no other film of this era had. Both the music and the movie boldly combined elements of post-World War II culture. Big band music from the 40s, cultural optimism of the 60s, pop music from the 70s and the early 70s, and bits of everything else in between falling in the cracks. It was a noble experiment that dared to go big unlike any other. The film was shot during the era after disco burnout and before the AIDS epidemic. So you get a good feeling of that particular small slot of time. And if LA is your hometown, you get the wizard shades of this large city before the dawn of the 1984 Olympics in Starbucks. Personally, I got to see my own hangouts of my backyard of Santa Monica like the then dirty old Venice Beach boardwalk. On this, in every 10 of note, this serves well as a time capsule. Finding the reasonable trough between the heaven and hell of Xanadu is perilous for the thick skin and or demanding tastes. However, if you approach the film and its multi-leveled characteristics by one or two of the genres I listed earlier, you might have a good chance of dealing with the visit to the land of roller skates, ELO, and Art Deco. Camera crew be damned. By the way, before I wrap this whole goofy review up, I better quickly address a question that has been bugging this movie and yours truly for decades. Is Xanadu a disco movie? My take is 85% no and 15% yes. The movie and the music doesn't really have the traits that all the other disco movies were washed in. However, 
make a long explanation short, and that's what my Xanadu website is for. Xanadu is tied to the relic if it was trying to escape a bear trap. It started life as a cheap roller disco flick when it was first sold to Universal. There was an abundance of skates and shots of its West Coast headquarters of Venice Beach, and you couldn't really run away from that dreaded mirrored ball when you mentioned the words night and club in a TV show, movie, ads, anywhere. The short answer to this one is Xanadu, a disco movie without the disco. If you don't agree with my little disco mixture estimate, well, go give the apple a shot and see if your sense of humanity survives. Trust me, the audience from that 1980 night were slaughtered by this Euro trash stick on disco. And it was made by Canon Pictures, by the way. Warning has been served. So up next is Time, and there are going to be a couple of new features when we cover songs for that album. And instead of giving the tedious explanations in the first episode and dragging that out for longer than it needs to, I'm just going to tell you right here what's coming up. Corey Gomel, Mr. ELO, who's actually met Jeff Lynne, gotten close enough to where he handed Jeff Lynne a license plate um, at one of the concerts. He and a friend wrote a screenplay for the album Time. And it's such a perfect album for creating such a clear visual in your head of, of what's going on on this album. I was curious, well, what would, at least Corey's version of a movie, what would that be like? So... Each song has its own kind of story, moving the storyline through the movie forward. So I had him send me summaries of the scenes that relate to the songs. So what I've done is attempted to turn them into like 30-second bits done sort of as a 1930s radio serial. The other thing is when I was 14, I parodied the entire album Time. Inspired by Weird Al Yankovic and Jonathan Bramheyer, I started doing my own parodies in 1982. These were not as good as Brandmeyer's or Yankovic, because I did not know how to play an instrument. So really it was me plugging in a microphone on the right channel, singing over the record, and I'd record on tape. Um, my parodying was pretty much just changing one or two words in every other line so that it fit the subject of what I had turned the song into. And my singing voice at 14, oh, it was just dreamy. It was the beautifulest. <laughs> yeah, the type of dream you wake up from screaming in a cold sweat. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the kind of stuff that yeah. would make Mrs. Miller say, our voices would be a perfect duet together. So, And to clear up any confusion about what I might be singing about, I'm 14. There are pretty much only two things that had my obsessions other than ELO. One was school, I hated it, and the other was Jonathan Brammeyer, who was a morning DJ at KZZP from 1981 to 1983. He was hugely popular back then. He called us listeners loons. I still, 39 years later, consider myself a loon, so that's why the name of my little novelty band was Loons Till Death. So hopefully that clears up anything when you hear it and you think, why is he singing about this guy who's going to Chicago now? That's pretty much it. I hated school, and I wanted Jonathan Brandmeier back on KCCP. And those were pretty much the subjects of my parodies for time. And I will not play the entire songs. You're going to get a... Yes. <laughs> You're going to get an embarrassing little snippet, which will make you laugh because of my singing style and just how bad it is. And at least in that way, if the songs are terrible, 
at least the humor lies in the awfulness of the performances and recording quality. You sing like a piece of chalk on a blackboard. These people donated at least $1 to the podcast through patreon.com slash ELOPod. Andrew Clarkson, Bill, David M. Stowe, Dono, James Crow, Jill Chenault, Michael Mullen, and the ESO Network. And thank you to Don Fields for sharing his Xanadu audio archives. And now, the outtakes. The fall. And he does it. And he roller skates full speed into a brick wall. Uh, oh, that's right. You haven't seen the movie. Nope, but that would explain Scient- him going into Scientology. <laughs> well, you know more about uh, the, the guy who played Sonny in the movie than I did. <laughs> um, oh, no, that was uh, yeah, that's not John Travolta? No, it was or not. Was John Travolta even in this movie? No, he was not. Oh, why am I thinking John Travolta in a li- Oh, Grease. Never mind. Grease, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, they did another bad movie together, Twice Upon a Time. They did that in 1983, I think. Yeah. Okay, that's why I always get confused with Xanadu is that movie because that that also had a soundtrack that was a lot better than what the movie was. Right. Well, um, yeah, I freaking love this song. Uh, if you hear this song... All over the world. But, right. And, uh, uh, yeah, actually next year, speaking of Rolling Stone, maybe we should start... Uh, well, I'm sure the I'm sure all I'm sure the uh, sites online are already trying to make sure they try and get yellow inducted at some point. I thought they were in the Hall of Fame. They are in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's skip this part. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple years. Ago. I thought I thought that they were still being left out of it. No, a couple years ago or last year. Yep, they they are in the Hall of Fame now. They matter. Oh, okay. Yes. They matter. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, so we'll skip that part of the conversation. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so for... I, I will erase it and pretend it never exists. <laughs> so for... Uh, Xanadu. That was quite... That was quite hard... That was quite hard to write. I think construction-wise, that's one of my best songs. I know it's a bit soft, probably. Probably. But it's actually the chord structure I'm really, really pleased with. I've always liked the chord sequence. And the rest of it's just a nice little 80s pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hear the version with just Jeff Lynn singing, and, um, well, well it's, it's, about, it's pretty good, too. But um, it's, it's not what I would consider a... I am not a fan of Grease whatsoever. I am not a fan of Grease either. Um, this really didn't hit me, because I haven't really watched the movie since 1979. Um, but... Uh, the message that I picked up from Greece much later when I was in my 30s and saw this is that if a girl wants a man she should change completely who she is to win that man because she's a nerdy little nice girl but at the end she has to be a smoking tight leather wearing bad girl to get the that that the bad boy who it's all going to end in a messy breakup because he I, he doesn't change but as for Olivia Newton-John... Theater style than it is pop song style. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, mu- it's a, it's a musical. And so I think, you know, I think that probably just actually helped Jeff push him to go into some other places that he hadn't been before since he never did a movie soundtrack before, which is why we get this, this layout for Xanadu, which is different than all other pop songs. And he sticks in some neat... And, uh... 
lately. Jeff Lynne could use a lot more wizzets in his music than, like he did earlier before because that helps keep the song from just being plotting size with gay men. Yeah. Or fat men. <laughs> no, they were gay at the end. It's been a long time since I've seen the video. So what you're saying is that Olivia Newton-John will turn men. Well, she never turned me gay. <laughs> It totally even though you've had even though you've had well okay we're going in the wrong direction here <laughs> we are okay some of this yeah. might be might need to be uh destroyed <laughs> right. unless we really want a lot of t- twitter fame yeah yeah um <laughs> uh at least so people stop talking about the exercise bike <laughs> yeah i think we're done okay I think we're done. We can cut out the whole gay part <laughs> Xanadu overture yes. Did you clap? clap? Yep. Do it again. again. Okay. Because the the internet went weird, so. Okay. All I got. Yeah, I left a nice little Trump sniffle at the beginning before the clap too. Okay. Because all I got was the echo of a clap. So. Mm. Okay. Well, that that means that it doesn't burn as much. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get to go first this week. Hi, I'm Olivia Newton-John yes. and Bondage. Uh, well, no, 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 not, 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 not really together. Uh, we're thinking Sar- Susan Sarandon and Bo- oh, that, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing. I, I'm wondering, can you do movie mashups like people do song mashups? I don't see how visually the two would work together. Xanadu, yeah, Rocky Xanadu Picture Show. Yeah, the Xanadu Horror Picture Show. I can see Xanadu well, that, Horror. That's, that's kind of already Xanadu, but... Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 Mm. That's it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I kind of figured it was going to be short. Xanadu Bonus Tracks. Samuel Taylor Coleridge. He... I just burped. <laughs> I heard it. <sighs> <laughs> The song now now I sound like Rick from Rick and Morty wonderful. <laughs> the song The Matrix, The Phantom Menace, Star Trek 5, Star Trek Generations. Um where is it? Except for Star Trek 5, I'd say all of those are better than Xanadu. <laughs> I see. Uh, Even though Star Trek 5 is enjoyable in certain ways. The 1973 version of Miracle on 34th Street. Um, oh, now we're getting into <laughs> the Monster Club, Magic Christmas Tree, the Astro oh Zombies, Stay Away Joe. Uh, Stay Away Joe is what you should tell anybody about Astro Zombies. <laughs> Trilogy of Terror, Blubberella. Uh, I like Barbarella. Blubberella. That actually makes my point about how you're supposed to camp up a movie to actually make, no, it, no, wa- make no, it watchable. No, no, Blubberella. Oh, Blubberella. Let's okay. See. The Last Jedi. Um, Excuse uh, me, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That oh, now we're was a worse movie than, <laughs> than Xanadu. Um, so Xanadu was actually was actually paired in some ways with can't can't uh, stop the music, mm-hmm. the Village People that yeah. movie. Uh, I guess that was on a double feature with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goonies. So I've seen much what? worse movies. The Thirteenth Warrior. There's another really bad movie I've seen. Uh, Xanadu. That was okay. Xanadu to <laughs> me is better 
than those movies, but it's not really a great movie. Uh, what finally, now that we're down with the outtake section. Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELOpod. Next week, episode 092, Prologue. We're here. We like Xanadu. Get used to it.